Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. We want to talk about the boyhood of Jesus. Now, while in the stable, Mary gave birth. They returned back to Jerusalem, dedicated the baby, and then they went and lived in Nazareth. The Two years later, the Bible talks about in, uh, where am I here? About Matthew chapter 2. The three wise men come from the east. They go straight to the palace. Say, where is he that has been born king of the Jews? Herod was so insecure with his throne and his rulership, he even killed his own children to make sure that they didn't try and kill him to get the throne. And now here's these strangers coming, asking, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We've seen his sign in the stars in the east. And he asked the wise men, and they said, well, it says to be born in Bethlehem. That's what the scriptures say. So he told him, Bethlehem, when you find him, come back and tell me so I could come worship him. What he really wanted to do is kill him. And the wise men came. They found Jesus in the house, not in the barn, not in the stable. So this is two years later because we can tell that because that's when Herod makes the decision to kill all the babies in that area two years and under. So we know this is about almost two years after Jesus was born. These wise men provide frankincense, gold, and myrrh to Joseph and Mary and to, for the baby Jesus. God is providing supernaturally, brought these wise men all the way from the east and gave them what some scholars have calculated the equivalent of about 2 to $3 million in today's value. Just gave it to them. God's providing Mary and Joseph all the money they're going to need to raise Jesus properly. Right? That's what this was. This was a gift for them to take care of the Son of God. Now, after that, Herod makes the decision he's going to kill every baby in that area two years and under. The angel tells Joseph, flee to Egypt. Wait there until I call you. That fulfilled the scripture that he was coming out of Egypt. Later, Herod died. Angel reappeared to Joseph in a dream, said, Okay, the, the one who wanted to kill you is dead. It's okay to go back into the promised land now. Joseph brings him back in. Doesn't say how long, but he's, we can calculate out about 18 months or so. So now Jesus is between three or four years old. And he's living in Nazareth. And he's being taught the first part of his upbringing. 
You see, we don't know what the boyhood of Jesus was really like. The Bible talks to us about when he was 12 years old. doesn't say anything up till that point in time. And after, it talks about when, you know, uh, they went to, the, to Jerusalem for the festival and they got ready to leave. They thought Jesus was playing with some of his friends or something, was with the caravan. They went one day's journey. Didn't see him. They looked all over. So the next day they go back, and the third day they found him in a temple. After that, we don't have any other information till Jesus shows up for the baptism by John in the River Jordan. What happened during those years? That's what we're going to study. All right? What happened between birth and 12 and 12 and age 30 when he was baptized by John? Since the Bible is silent on this, we have to look at the culture of that time and see what most of the Jewish boys were doing those years. Now, every Jewish boy wanted to grow up to be a rabbi. Every one of them. Well, probably not 100%. We'll say 90% of them wanted to grow up and be a rabbi. Okay, Kind of like the Little League baseball teams and football teams that you enroll your youth in. If you ask most of those kids what they want to do when they grow up, they'll say, I want to play baseball, or I want to be a football player, or I want to be a basketball player as a professional athlete. And that's how it was with these Jewish boys in that day. They wanted to be a rabbi. Because rabbis were cool. It'd be so cool to be a rabbi. You got the respect of everyone in town, and you get to teach people about the Word of God, which was back then the Torah and the Prophets. They were able to help the priests out when they needed help. But for the most part, they were the ones who interacted with the people, the common people, on a regular daily basis. So it was just cool to be a rabbi. So the question is, how do you become a rabbi? Amen. Well, the qualifications for being a rabbi were quite stringent back in those days. And it started almost immediately after birth for the boys, with a special emphasis starting just as soon as they could understand speech and begin to speak themselves, mama, dada, water, stuff like that. And it's the fathers of the house who are the ones tasked with teaching their boys about God's laws and his word, especially the book of Leviticus. Why the book of Leviticus, Brother Bob? Well, the first step in becoming a rabbi was by age six, they had to have memorized the entire book of Leviticus and be able to recite it word for word, verbatim, without error. If they could do that, then they were admitted to what we would call elementary school, but the proper name for the school was Bet Safar, Bet Safar, S-A-F-A-R. If they could not recite the entire book of Leviticus completely through without error, then they were cut and sent home and told to learn the family trade because you don't have what it takes to be a rabbi. Now, can you imagine what that felt like at six years old? You get up there and you start, oh, man, I messed that up. And they say, sorry, son, go home. You're cut from the rabbi team. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? 
But that was the custom and traditions of that day. You either made the team or got cut from the team. There was no second chances. There was no, well, you did good up to that last sentence. You know, I mean, that's not to say that every now and then something like that occurred. But for the most part, if you made a mistake, they would just stop you because it takes a long time to recite the book of Leviticus word for word. So as they're going through, if you messed up, this is stop. You're cut. Goodbye. All right. How many of you have ever been cut from the team before? How many of you have ever played sports, maybe in co-ed or you know in gym class or out on the playground during your school years, and we're putting together a kickball team or whatever, and let's, let's pick sides, and they get two captains, and each one starts picking. You go, I go, you go, I go, and they get all the way down, and you're the last one, and well, we already have enough players, sorry, you know, you're not playing today. We don't think you're good enough anyway, that's why you're last. You know how bad that makes you feel. Well, it's the same thing with them back in Jesus' day. You either passed the test or you went home. Amen. If a Jewish boy passed the test, was able to recite completely from memory, without error, the entire book of Leviticus at age six, then they were admitted to the Bet Safar, which actually means school of the book. And like I said, the book is actually the Torah, the first five books of the Bible for us, uh, but it consisted of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now, from age 6 to age 12, they are attending Bet Safar. They were learning now how to memorize all five books of the Torah. Genesis, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They were learning how to memorize all five books, word for word, without error. And it took them from age 6 to age 12 to do it. So that's what they spent their time doing during those six years of what we would call elementary school. And when it came time for the graduation test, they were brought in front of the rabbis, and they had to recite all five books of the Torah without error. If they failed, then they were cut from the team. They were sent home to learn the family business, and they could not continue on with their rabbi training. There were no second chances. There was no retakes on the test. There was no extra credit they could do to, to you know, get up their score up to 100%. They were either able to do it or not. If not, they were cut from the team. Because they only wanted the absolute best and brightest and smartest kids to be rabbis. That's the reason for it. That's the reason it's so harsh. Now, if you were able to do that, then you could graduate from what we would call elementary school. Because now you would be able to try out for the next team. Once you graduated from elementary school, from the Bet Safar, by memorizing the complete book of Leviticus, now, I'm sorry, back that up, the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, once you memorize the first five books of the Bible, Torah, the Torah, Word for word, 
you could try out for the next school, which is a combination of like high school and college. This school is called the Bet Talmud, or School of the Talmud. It's the entire books of the Old Testament. Uh, it's basically the rabbi school. Okay? But just because you graduated from the Bet Safar by memorizing the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, did not mean you were automatically in at the Bet Talmud. No. You had to pass another test to be selected to go to the Bet Talmud. Well, what was the test? You had to pass a test concerning the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Oh, wait a minute, Brother Bob. Didn't they just pass that test to graduate elementary school? Yes, they did. They had to have memorized it to graduate from elementary school, from the Bet Safar. To be admitted to the Bet Talmud, they had to not just have passed from the Bet Safar test, but now they had to be able to carry on a conversation using the scriptures. They had to be able to ask and answer questions, pertinent questions to the scriptures to give, to demonstrate they had an understanding of the scriptures. Not just memorization, but that they understood what they were saying and able to carry on a conversation around the scriptures to get their point across. Amen. That is how they were able to enter the Bet Talmud. Amen. And then they went into this special room and told to wait there. Now the Bet Talmud went from age 12 to age 30. And they would graduate at age 30 and become a rabbi. Yes, Lord. Jesus, well, let's do this. There's five stages in the Bet Talmud, the school of the disciple. And you would take these tests at each of the stages between age 12 and age 30. And this school, like I said, it lasted 18 years. And you, if you were there, you're sitting in this room with these other boys. You'd pass the test. You were able to demonstrate you had a basic understanding of the Talmud. And now, here come these brand new Rabbis, they had just graduated from rabbi school. Well, a rabbi needed a follower. They needed disciples. Where else could they get pre-vetted disciple followers than the Bet Talmud? And they would go in and they would, you know, ask questions and, and you know, what are your interests and, and you know... It, it's a bad example, but let me, let me relate it to college today. If you want to be a medical doctor, you don't go to a lawyer school. If you want to be a lawyer, you don't go to a business school. If you want to be a businessman, you don't go to medical school. Okay? You specialize 
you specialize in what it is you want to study. And so it was with these boys sitting in this room being interviewed by these brand new rabbis who are looking for followers. So they would ask questions and then they would say, okay, well, you, you know, my teaching is going to be on economics or my teaching is going to be on biblical history or my teaching is going to be on, you know, business management or my teaching is going to be on whatever the case may be. And they say, you follow me, and you follow me, and you follow me, and you follow me, and you follow me. And then they leave. The next guy comes in, and the process repeats itself. And for the next 18 years, that's what they study. Now, the law says you can only teach what your rabbi teaches you. That is how the traditions are carried from one generation to the next. The book of Acts, when uh, Paul was being uh, grilled by the Hebrews, remember uh, they were going to, they, they caught him in the temple. They thought he was bringing Gentiles into the temple area and, and uh, the centurion came down, rescued him, was taking him up into prison. They were up on the steps. Paul said, let me talk to the crowd. And he started talking. He said, I was, I'm Hebrew of the Hebrews. So I've been brought up in the ways of Gamaliel. Right? Gamaliel is like one of the great rabbis of that day. And Paul was a disciple of his. That's what he's trying to say. I am a disciple of Gamaliel. I mean, I know the scriptures. I know Hebrew law. I know all about this. I was brought up in the traditions of Gamaliel. So he's saying Gamaliel is the one who taught me. He was my rabbi. And he said that as, a, as emphasis of he knew what the law said. Amen. He knew the scriptures. And you can tell that from his different writings. But the point I'm trying to make is once you were selected to follow this particular rabbi, you were obligated by law that's what you could study, and when you graduated rabbi school, that's the only thing you could teach. There were no dual doctorates. There were no you know, going back to school again to relearn a different uh, tract or method. You learned what your disciple taught you, and your disciple, uh, not disciple, your rabbi taught you, and that rabbi could only teach what he had been taught by his rabbi, who had been taught by his rabbi, who had been taught by his rabbi, as it goes on back. That kept that train, that teaching concept, pure, and it continued the traditions from of old down to the new disciples who were now being taught by their rabbi. Well, when all the disciples, or I'm sorry, all of the rabbis, the brand new rabbis who just graduated, when they had finished picking their followers, you know, they went in that room and said, do you follow me, you follow me, you follow me. Whoever was left, whoever had not been selected by a rabbi, let's say there's a group of 15 or 20 of them left. The rabbi would walk in, the, the senior rabbi, and say, sorry, boys, you weren't selected. You are now cut from the team. Go home.
even though they passed the test for graduation from elementary school, the Bet Safar, even though they were able to carry on a conversation for the Bet Talmud and be selected to go into that room and have a shot at the professional draft, you know, you got the NBA draft and the Major League Baseball draft and, and the NFL draft, and some people don't get drafted. That's what happened here, or would happen here. Some of the boys would not be drafted. And they were sent home, heartbroken. All they wanted was a rabbi to say, follow me. And their dream of being a rabbi would be one step closer to realization. Now, that's what happens in order to be selected to be a disciple of a rabbi. And I want to also emphasize that baptism did not start with John. I mean, the next time we, we hear about Jesus is at from age 12. The next time we hear about Jesus is at the baptism of John. But let's back up for just a second at age 12. Jesus at age 12. All right. We see, you know, again, the story is the parents, you know, they're up at the festival. They leave. They travel the whole day thinking Jesus is playing with some of his friends with the caravan. At night, they start looking for him. They realize he'd been left behind. Next day, they travel a whole day's journey back to Jerusalem. They get there. It's probably late. The next day, they find him in the temple. And the Bible, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about Jesus being in the temple? It says that he is answering questions and asking questions. And that he's amazing the priests that are there. Amen? Trying to find it here. I think it's in Matthew chapter 7. Is that right? No. Do-do-do-do-do-do. Hallelujah. All right. I think it's in, maybe it's John. If I can't find it here real quick, you can tell that I'm just doing this from, uh, as led by the Holy Spirit. Okay. So that's not it either. Praise God. Well, we know I'll find it, but I'm going to keep talking because I don't like silence on the radio. Amen? We know that they went up and found Jesus. Amen? Teaching or answering questions in the temple. The third day they found him there and they said, you know, how is it that you are treating us like this? And they said, like what? Don't you know I should be about my father's business? Well, what they're saying is that Jesus, and the emphasis in this, I'm trying to, trying to find it, is that Jesus was answering questions, carrying on a conversation, amen, with the priestly authorities with the rabbis in the temple 
And they were all amazed, right? They were all amazed at their at the answers and the conversation that he's able to give. Amen. And that's at age 12. We just studied what happens at age 12. That's where you graduate from elementary school, the Bet Safar, and enter the Bet Talmud, and then you get interviewed by a rabbi who has to check you for your knowledge of the Torah, the Talmud, and your ability to carry on this conversation. That is what Jesus was doing. Amen? That is what he was proving to them. They were amazed at his ability to carry on the conversation and asking and answering questions. Amen. And then you don't hear anything else about the, the, uh, how Jesus was raised until the baptism of John. And the purpose for the baptism, we, I just mentioned before we got started here, uh, baptism did not start with John the Baptist, despite a lot of traditions that uh, that these some churches would teach. Baptism was a common thing going on. Uh, here it is in Luke chapter two, verses forty-one through fifty-two. In verse 48, let's see, no, verse 46, they found him uh, in the temple, came to pass after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. See, this is where Jesus was answering those questions, proving he had an understanding, an understanding of the scriptures which would make him authorized to enter the Bet Talmud and be eligible to be taught by a rabbi. Okay. He said, And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. And then the mother said, Why are you dealing like this with us? We've been looking for you. And he said, How is it you saw me? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? In other words, at age 12, don't you understand I'd have to be here in order to go to the next level of training? You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time when we gather together around the word of god be blessed and remember we serve an awesome god